Let's take a Bible and turn to Genesis 33. Last time we looked at Jacob, first verse, meeting a band of angels, and uh, then he struggled with the man, and then uh, his name was changed to Israel, and now we come to chapter 33. So we think that a man had gone through all that would be a different than he was before. But we see it's still the same old Jacob. I want to read the first couple of verses. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came with him, 400 men, and he divided the children into Leah, unto Rachel, and unto the two handmaids. And he put uh, the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hinder, uh, <coughs> undermost. Let's pray together, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee and praise Thee for Thy goodness and blessings You give us in Christ Jesus, Your everlasting mercies. We look to Thee that You might open up our understanding to Thy Word and that we might glean from those things that we have need of in our own personal life and then that we might better understand the Scriptures. We just thank Thee and praise Thee in Jesus Christ's name. Pray your mercies be upon each one according to their need, O Father, that you might meet it, and those without Christ would be pleased to save and edify the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. And seeing the title is is Reunion and Massacre. These chapters cover Jacob's reunion with Esau and the massacre of the men of, of Salem. And some says it should be Shechem, but it was Shechem later. As far as we know, uh, that it was Salem at this time, which means uh, safe, peace, and uh, several other adjectives that go along with it. And uh, Esau seems very glad to see Jacob, as we'll look at, but Jacob was still uneasy with Esau and uh, and his fear of Esau, his misunderstanding. I mean, I mean, Esau grabs him and hugs him and and um, but Jacob's really not having anything to do with it. He he's still afraid of him, and, and so Esau takes his servants' possessions and and, he, and and said he had enough. And of course, we'll see how uh, Jacob sent bribes or gifts, if you will. And and their conversation uh, with Esau. Esau calls Jacob my brother. And Jacob calls Esau my Lord. And as we go through this, we want to take note of that. And, of course, God had made him Lord over Esau. So if anyone was going to say my Lord, it should be Esau. But Esau said my brother, which is friendly. And Jacob said my Lord, which is servitude. I mean, as we see, he gives him the honor that you would a king Later on in our text, Esau goes home and Jacob uh, goes the wrong way, if you will. And, and what I mean by the wrong way, he didn't go the way of Bethel. He told Esau he'd go to Seir. He didn't go either one of the places. He went the opposite direction and landed up in Shechem, as we'll see, instead. And, and what would have happened if Jacob obeyed God and went to Bethel instead of Shechem? His daughter would not have been defiled. The men of the city would not have been massacred. And 
God will not have to curse Simeon and Levi. We know that Bethel means the house of God. And how many saints are like Jacob? They never make their way all the way to God's appointed place of worship. Instead of going to the house of God, they go to something else. And, and the families suffer because of this. And just like Jacob's family suffered, and sometimes it seems like the men and women both are more concerned about the toys or the things of their household or memberships and this, that, or the other, or having a cabin on the lake, and instead of being, if you will, at the Lord's house. Jacob's was just making a stopover to rest. Some, some says, well, he's there at Shechem, you know, he's just stopping over and kind of resting up the cattle and all this, that, and the other. Well, he brought a piece of land, and he was settled down, and, and the estimate's there. He's there several years. Uh, before he left. So he wasn't just on a stopover. He was there uh, permanently as as he thought. Now we know that he moves on because he has to. <clears throat> and Jacob was a hearer of God's word but not a doer of it. And clearly God protected Jacob and his family in every place whether uh, Jacob <clears throat> knew it or not. However, God chases those whom he loves and but God uh, softened Esau's heart and humbled Jacob's heart. And uh, uh, Jacob sees Esau and divides his family up. And uh, Genesis of 33, 1 through 15, we read the first two verses. We read verse 3. And he passed over before him and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now, this bowing seven times is the homage that you do a king. It's some great leader. Uh, to bow before other people just means respect and honor, and you recognize they're of somebody. But Jacob would take a few steps and bow, take a few steps and bow, and this is the way you approach the king. And so this is the way he approached uh, Esau. <clears throat> Here comes Esau with his 400 men, and Jacob puts his plan into uh, play that we read about last time, dividing the company up. And, and uh, that way, the ones he loved the most were in the rear, and those that he loved the least was in the front. And so <clears throat> some speak of children having a complex because they think one or both their parents don't love them or doesn't love them as much as the other. Well, in this case, you can say that for sure. And of the, of the ways that, <clears throat> that uh, uh, Jacob lined them up. And so he divided them up in three groups. <clears throat> Should have been four groups. <clears throat> Leah, Rachel, and the two handmaids. And Jacob set them in order from the least favored to the highly favored. One handmaids, two Leah, and then followed by Rachel, and then Joseph, highly preferred. He was the favorite sh- son shown here and then later on with a coat of many colors. And so we remember when he had a coat of many colors that his brothers got mad at him. But we see this jealousy started way before that. We can see it right here in our passage. As Jacob goes to meet him, as we mentioned, he bowed seven times. Uh, Isaac um, blessed <coughs> blessings uh, made Jacob the Lord, his Lord, if you will, or Lord of Esau. In verse 4, 
And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And so this doesn't sound like anybody wants to come and kill you. It doesn't sound like somebody wants to rob you. It seems like uh, a brothers meeting each other, hadn't seen one another for a long time, and they just grab a hold of one another, and, and, uh, and this is uh, what it seems to be. And so it seems that Esau's got over his hard feelings with uh, Jacob, uh, but Jacob is always suspicious of Esau. Verse 5 through 7, And he lifted up his eyes, he saw the women and children, he said, Who are these and those with thee? And he said, The children which God has graciously given thy servant. Then the handmaids came near, and they and their children, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also and her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. <clears throat> and he said, What meanest this all this drove which I met? And so we see he meets the family. Each one shows him uh, honor and respect. And this part of it would be natural either way, whether it been uh, Esau's family meeting Jacob or as we see here, Jacob meeting him. And <clears throat> so we see that uh, many... Uh, interpretations have been in verse uh, 10, but we're not there yet, sorry, and gives his family over the the old hatreds, 8 through 11, and he said, What meanest thou by all these droves which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother, keep thou, thou hast, <coughs> keep that thou hast unto the thyself and Jacob and said nay I pray thee if now I have found grace in thy sight then receive my presence at my hand and for therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God and thou wast <coughs> pleased with me take I pray thee of my blessings that I that is brought <coughs> to thee because God has dealt graciously with me and and because I have enough, and he urged them, and he took it. And so uh, <clears throat> many interpretation of seeing the face of God, uh, that I've seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God. Here he had seen the pre-incarnate Christ when he wrestled with him and that night and, and was prevailing, and then uh, his thigh was uh, touched, and then he was still, as far as we know, still hobbling on uh, that leg. And, and so he considered he had wrestled with him, and but he didn't tell Esau any of those things. He didn't say how, how he met the host of the angels. He didn't he mention any of these things. He says, God's been gracious to me and blessed me with the family and with the, all these herds and servants and everything. And so he, uh, and he says, like the face of God, and uh, and he meant that he found favor in his sight or grace in his sight. Uh, it's the way I take it, but others take it as as uh, being derogatory. And it can be taken derogatory that he was uh, <clears throat> elevating Esau higher or making ele- and making him feel like he's been elevated higher. He urged Esau to take the gifts, and for it was God's bounty to Jacob that he would uh, give such gifts. And so he offers to take them, and I mean, or he takes them. And then verse twelve, and he said, "Let us 
take our journey and let us go, and I will go <clears throat> therefore before thee. And he said unto him, unto him, My Lord, knowest that the children are tender, the flocks and the herds with young are with me. And if the man, men should overdrive them one day, all the flock would, will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before thy servant, and I will lead on softly, according as the cattle that goeth before me, and the children is able to endure until I come unto my Lord unto Seir. And Esau said, Let me now leave, thee, leave with thee uh, some of the folk that are with me. And he said, What needeth it? Let, it, uh, let me find grace in <clears throat> sight of thy my Lord, so Esau returned that day on his way to Sir. And so here again, uh, <clears throat> Jacob is not depending on the Lord. Uh, he's using his own cunningness and on his own um, imagination, what he thinks he ought to do. And uh, <clears throat> Esau offers to escort him, and, and Jacob refuses, offers to leave him some men. And Jacob refused that, and but he says this, and would go slowly, or if you will, until I come unto my Lord and Seir. Now, it's quite evident what happened later. He had no intentions of going to Mount Seir. He had no intentions whatsoever to do that, and yet he told Esau that that's where he was going. Uh, Jacob never went to Seir. Or saw Esau until Isaac's funeral, and then they never spoke again. And that is, there's no record of them ever meeting again after Isaac's uh, funeral. And so they, uh, he didn't go to Sarah ever. And and we see that uh, he did go to Bethel, but he did that, if you will, when uh, all things is lost, as we see at the end of the next chapter. When it seems like everything's lost and he's scared to death again of the inhabitants of the land, so he actually flees to Bethel. Of course, God tells him to go to Bethel. And, and so uh, his intentions were never to do any of those things. He, didn't, he wasn't going to Bethel. He wasn't going to Seir. Uh, he was going back up, if you will, where in, in the Sukkoth, in that area, which was the opposite direction of what he told Esau he was going to go, and it was the opposite direction of Bethel, uh, wrong direction for Bethel. Isaac was probably about 153 or 153 years old at this time, and he died at 180. That's just an estimate I copied out of a commentary. <clears throat> Let me see, did Jacob go first to Bethel, Hebron, Isaac, where Isaac lived, or Mount Seir? And does it seem he was still a deceiver? And Hebron was where Isaac was at. And so he didn't go see his dad. He didn't, he didn't go down to his brothers. He didn't go where God told him to go, to the house of God. He went to, in a different place. And Jacob does not keep his word to anyone. I mean, he's he just unfaithful. It's almost like, you know, you... You met if you've ever met a professional, what I call professional liars, they can look you right in the face and just lie to you straight face, and and they don't mean a thing to say. And I think this is the way Jacob was. He just one of those. He would tell what it, tell people what he thought they wanted to hear, and then he would do 
their direct opposite or something different. <clears throat> so they uh, does and Jacob does not keep his word. I said to anyone, and this these lies cost him and his family dearly, as we'll see in the next chapter. They separated, and uh, Jacob builds an altar and. In Genesis 16, so Esau returned that day to his way to Mount Sir, and Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth and built him a house and made booths for his cattle, and before the name of the place was called Sukkoth, and, and <coughs> Jacob came to Salem, a city of Shechem, and which is in the land of Canaan, which... <coughs> When he came unto Pandanaram and pitched his tent before the city and bought a a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the the hand of the children of Hamor, Shishem's father, for a hundred pieces of money, and he erected there an altar and called it Elohim Israel. And so we see they separated, and Jacob goes and buys him, he goes to Succoth or, or to Salem or to Shechem, and we, it's called all three things through the, in the scriptures. So, uh, and there, some will put one city a little bit north of the other or whatever, but they're all in the general area of that. And so Esau returned to Sir, and Jacob went to Bethel, no, Mount Seir, no, Salem, <coughs> Uh, no, and the city of the Canaanites, yes. So he went, and they said, well, he's in the land of Canaan. That's where God told him to go, but God <clears throat> told him to go to Bethel. He said, you go back to the land, yes, that was the promised land. We read that in an earlier chapter, but he told him to go to Bethel or to the house of God. This is like Lot casting his tent towards Sodom. It's the exact same thing. Uh, that he went from where the blessings of the Lord would be to a place where the blessings of the Lord was not. <clears throat> was Jacob just passing through? As I mentioned before, he built him a house there, built a temple, <clears throat> altar place, and a place for his tents, and booths for his cattle. And, <clears throat> and then, uh, of course, they was out grazing in the land, so he moved in. He wasn't, he wasn't there for the short term. He was there. And this is the area where Joseph would be buried many years later when they took Joseph's bones back into the promised land and and buried Jacob's favorite son. He purchased enough to do all the above that's mentioned and, if you will, spread his tent. He paid for the land and built an altar and he called it Elohim Israel, the mighty God of Israel. If our hearts are far from God and walking in disobedience, buildings, offerings, things, oaths, <clears throat> done in the name of God doesn't impress God at all. He doesn't receive it. He rejects it. Uh, when you're walking out of the will of the Lord, He's not going to bless you in it. <clears throat> and uh, He'll cause, as we see this, that God allowed things to, trans- uh, to <clears throat> happen in the next chapter, if you will, because He's at the wrong place. And he's among the wicked people, and the things that happened to his daughter are because of him. <laughs> and uh, we can dedicate, shout praise, sing a song, 
but our hearts are not right, or we are not in the place God appointed us, then it's all in vain. It just, uh, and a lot of people do that. You know, they go through all the motions and things of sin. I mean, not sin, but praise and worship. And, and, uh, and then, uh, if you will, their heart's far from God. They know where God would have them to be, and they're not there. And guy, they know what God be having them to do, and they're not doing it. And uh, when I uh, pastored a, a church there in Kentucky, as soon as somebody would buy a boat, I knew they was going to start missing church because <laughs> they go down to the Kentucky Lake and they would uh, go down there on the weekend, you know, because they can fish and, you know, take a few days off and rest. And I just knew it. As soon as someone bought a boat and <clears throat> they were gone, and then in hunting season, <clears throat> if it was, if it depends on when it opened, uh, a lot of times they couldn't make Sunday school at all. And some did make the worship service, but most of them didn't, or a good number of them didn't. And, and so this is the same thing here. I, Jacob is willing to worship God as long as he does what he wants to do and, and be at the place he wants to be. And that's the reason I said he built him a cabin. I know he didn't build him a cabin, but that was the second thing. If somebody built them a cabin out on the lake, you know that was it. They might not show up at all. <laughs> and I asked some other pastors in there, and he said, that's just the way it is. You know, bad weather, most of them will start attending until good weather. <clears throat> but anyway, they said, well, you need time. You know, everybody needs some time off, preacher. You know, vacation, you take a vacation. we just taking a vacation. But it seemed like they never did get over their vacations. And... This is exactly what Jacob's doing. He is not at the appointed place. He has an altar. We say, well, he has an altar to worship God, but it's in the wrong place. It's supposed to be down in Bethel. And Jacob could have been very sincere, but he built in the wrong place. And as I mentioned, it's not Bethel. King Saul and the taking of the spoil in 1 Samuel 15, 22, and 23 and Samuel said, Hath God, as the Lord, as great a, a delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and the stubbornness is an, as iniquity and idolatry. Because I has rejected the word of God, he has also rejected thee from being king. Now we know there's two situations. Jacob was not a going to be a king at that time or, uh, or ever, but uh, he was the leader. And the same things apply to him. Uh, has God a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Which is more important to God? How many tithes we give or will we obey God? Whether we obey the Word of God or we... Are we by God off or we by a pew? That's sometimes, you know, they, people get pews, put their names on them, you know, and, and uh, help church, and a lot of churches do that, to, <clears throat> to build them, you know. And then they think that it's like, a, you know, they're safe and going to heaven because they bought a pew. And let me say to you, that's not the way it works. It says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 
<coughs> or for rebellion is a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is the as as iniquity and idolatry. And so this is exactly what Jacob's doing. <coughs> He's got an altar to God, named it after God. It's a place that he offered up burnt sacrifices. I'm sure he don't mention it, but that's the reason for having an altar and there would worship God and have his family come in and worship God. And he did all of that, but he, he was just in the wrong place. Jacob desired God's protection, but he trusted in his own ideals and he trusted on his own intellect and it cost him dearly. <laughs> it is say, well, uh, find out what God says about this and I don't know how many times you run into this. You say, well, here's what God says. So, are you sure? Well, I don't know. And go see if I can get a better interpretation. You know, and if I'm going to look it up. And he said, well, this guy that I never heard of, he said in his commentary, this, that, and the other. And let me say to you, they was going to sin anyway. <clears throat> Just to say, can you show me where I'm not supposed to do this? or I shouldn't do this, is all they're really asking. They want your blessing. Say, well, go out and sin. And, and so this is the way, if you will, with Jacob. Uh, he praised God. He said he had obeyed God, said he'd follow God, and then he went his own way and didn't do it. Most Christians think they can move anywhere and do anything in their lives without regard uh, for God's will for them. And and to move from a church is one of the most important decisions you can make. And it's not whether uh, you got a better job somewhere. It is whether God's moving you or not. And and I usually uh, say if there's not a place there to worship, you might be going to the wrong place. Because that's just like going up to Shisham. There's no altar there. Well, we can worship in our homes. And I know some that do that and done that, but after a while, that worship will start dwindling. You know, we have to, because they're, they're listening to tapes, you know, and, and maybe they don't have a tape that Sunday, so they just go out and shop or whatever. Uh, but this is sometime, it's way it degenerates. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen through 20, but now hath God set the members every one of them in the body as it had pleased him. And if they were all one member, were they, were, were the body, but now are they many members, yet one, but one body. And so if it is true that God sets members in the body as it pleases him, then he's the one that is to move us. He's the one that we're to look to, whether we, uh, we got a great and wonderful opportunity or whether, it, if, you, if you will, that God has opened that door and once you go there and maybe place you in another church. <clears throat> but that should be God's business, not our business. And wait upon Him. We expect preachers not to move somewhere unless God sends them or uh, <clears throat> at least uh, they believe God has placed them there. And, uh, and if, they, if we had a, if sometime uh, hear things about preachers, well, I just went there because of the big church or he went there for this, that, and the other. And I always think that is the most dangerous thing there is to do. <clears throat> and it's dangerous to do that for anybody. I mean, any brother or sister in Christ, if, if you think they got ulterior motives, unless you know that for sure, uh, and to say that out loud is dangerous. 
But to say that about a preacher, I think, is even more dangerous. <laughs> and sometimes we can say, well, we see after they've been here a while, maybe that's the way it was. Uh, but we need to be very careful uh, about the, us judging others, whether they should have moved or didn't. They say, well, they, they wanted to do this. They didn't like what we was doing, doing that. <clears throat> and it could be true. Uh, but we need to be careful not to judge one another on these things. And, uh, but we shouldn't move unless God moves us. <clears throat> I had the opportunity one time. <laughs> I'll tell us real quick. <clears throat> I convinced myself it would be better for the church because of the Masons and all that. And if I just moved to another church, another church called me there in North Carolina. <clears throat> and we went there. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, I saw the will of the Lord. I mean, I knew it the day I was in that U-Haul. We were getting ready to go, but I already resigned the church. Then I already told the other people it was coming. Then I always had all my stuff in the truck. And I thought, well, you know, we'll make the best do of it. And, and, and I mentioned this before. Alice, every once in a while, I'd say, you know, that was a pretty good sermon or whatever. And she hadn't said nothing for a month. And then she said, uh, who are you preaching that to? And every one of them was on judgment, been out of the will of the Lord, and, and, and all of that. So I moved from that church. I apologized to the church and, and went back to, and, and, and graciously, Sacramento Baptist, Faith Baptist in Sacramento, Kentucky. And they had one of the members there, had a place that we could live in for a while. And then the Lord opened up a church for us to go to. <clears throat> the point I'm making, that was the most miserable I ever was. That's more miserable than Alice ever was. That's the most miserable my children ever was all the time I was in the ministry. It was that place. Nobody was happy. And, and, the, and the people there were just the nicest people that you could, you could want. And they said, well, that was something I did. But Brother O'Neill been there. Brother Cockrell had been there. I forget how many preachers there, and I stayed two months or two and a half months, and I was one of their longest preachers that they had in that church, and and I didn't I, that I never figured out. Brother O'Neill left the ministry for a time after he was there, and and uh, but the point I'm making is, is wasn't the church is all us fellows. <laughs> Brother Cockrell said, I started to call you. But so I didn't want to interfere with the calling of the Lord. So anyway, he didn't, so I moved anyway. And <clears throat> we must be and go where the Spirit leads us and uh, guides us and uh, we uh, stay until he moves us. And, and sometimes we let our intellect, as, as the latter part of that in, this, uh, in our uh, notes, uh, Jacob lived by his intellect, cunning, and hoping things would work out for him and his. And <clears throat> if you're not in the right place, not doing what God's called you to do, you're going to have trouble. I just guarantee it. And <clears throat> sometimes it's subtle, and sometimes it's very obvious, as I mentioned before. But sometimes we'll lie to ourselves, as I was doing until Alice said, well, who are you preaching them to? And I went back, and I thought, those poor people, I was, I, was fire, I was preaching fire and brimstone for being out of the will of the Lord, and all the time it was the preacher uh, that was out. <clears throat> and the point I'm making is 
before we do anything, better shoot God's in it. <laughs> if God's in it, then we need to do it. And, <clears throat> and we are to be the people of God. If we know what God would have us to do, then we need to do it. And sometimes he says, well, it's going to cost too much, this, that, and the other. It doesn't make any difference. If God's in it, the cost is, doesn't matter. If he's not in it, it's going to cost you, I guarantee. We'll take up there next time. And next time, Diane, <coughs> uh, the wicked men are uh, wicked of Shechem, or Shechem, and... <coughs> And, um, and I put in the, later on there, but the wicked don't watch the clock in a place of debauchery. Sometimes we think we're safe in the daytime, but if you're in a wicked place, it doesn't matter where the clock's at. And that's the where they were at.